children may be dismissed at junior church. So if you want to make your way to junior church, and we're going to begin a new sermon series today. I've been so excited about this sermon series, looking forward to talk about heaven with you for about uh, eight weeks or so, that last night I even had a dream about it. I had a dream, not about heaven, but that I was leading uh, the congregation in prayer and communion and, and sermon, and my cell phone alarm kept going off. And no matter what, I could not get it to stop going off. I would turn it off, and then a few seconds, right in front of y'all, y'all, it would go off again. Yeah, I'm from close to Kentucky, Dayton, Cincinnati. All y'all. It would go off again. And this dream went on and on as a nightmare of embarrassment until I realized I was asleep, and my alarm was going off trying to wake me up in the morning. And then I got up, and here we are. So I don't think it's going to go off. It's down there anyways. Years ago, I moved to a different city. We moved uh, from Cincinnati to the small little city of Alliance, if you know where Alliance is, uh, just west and a little bit south of here. And uh, we were originally from Dayton, and I was in Alliance, and after about six weeks or so, I needed a haircut, and so a guy from my church recommended a local barber shop. And I walked in the barber shop. It was a small barber shop that, that, like I said, this gentleman from the church recommended. And when I walked in, I felt like I stood out like a Steelers fan in the dog pound. I've never been in the dog pound of the Cleveland Brown Stadium, but I'm sure as a Steelers fan, you don't want to be there. But in fact, I walked in, and there were a few guys just kind of shooting the breeze, and one guy looked at me, and he said, you're not from around here, are you? And I said, no. I said where I was from, and they welcomed me, and it was good, and just never realized how much it is when you walk in a place and it just doesn't feel like home doesn't feel like home, right? Makes you think about home sweet home a little bit. It has only been 16 years since I lived in the Dayton area, but everything has changed. Sometimes I like to go to the website of the high school I went to. I went to the same school from kindergarten through 12th grade, but everything's changed. A few years ago, I think it was 2015, they tore down the school and built a new one. Everything has changed. In fact, there was a, a famous piece of literature written, I want to say around 1930, that, that said something like, you can't go home again. Everything changes. Everything changes. I like to think back to the hometown sometimes when we're down in Dayton for Christmas or Easter or Thanksgiving. Actually, we very rarely go down for Easter. Um, kind of busy that day. Uh, but sometimes when we're down there, we like to drive the kids around and say, hey, this is where we grew up. This is the street we lived on. This, everything changes. Everything changes. Sometimes I like to think back to when I was Mercedes and Abigail's age and what were my parents doing at that when I was that age. And my parents were a little younger than, than I am now when, when I was that age. But we think back, don't we? And as we think back, we think about home. We think about our homeland. We think about our home area. We think about the times we grew up in. We think about what's different, what has changed, what has stayed the same. Very little stays the same, right? Everything changes. Everything changes. And, 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 and so just... Just after moving just less than four hours away from home, I'm amazed at people that move across oceans. I'm amazed at people who left Germany or Ireland in the 19th century to begin a new life in the States. 
And let me ask you, let me ask you to think about where are you from? Do you long to think back to the area you came from? Maybe some of you have always been in the Youngstown area. But maybe even though you're from this area, you know that your parents or grandparents came from a different land, made a big trip, even over the oceans, to live here. Longing for a better life, longing for a different life. Or maybe you long to think back to a different age. Are you longing for something or somewhere? You know, we may long for a place or a time or something else, but what we are really longing for is heaven. God created us for heaven. God created us for heaven. I have homework for you. Today I begin a new sermon series on heaven, and we're going to go through the end of February. And as we go through this series, think about different questions you have about heaven. And submit them to me. You can send them to Bethel2771 at gmail.com. That's the church email. You can send them to my email if you know it. You can uh, submit them in the offering box. You can stop by and give them to the office. And I will try to, if they're not answered during the series, if I can, I will try to answer them in the closing sermon. In the last sermon, I'll try to rapid fire, say, no one knows, or this is speculative, but here's an answer, or I'll try to give an answer if I can. Um, as I you know, I've been studying heaven and taught on heaven a number of times, and I think there's a lot that the Bible does answer. Some people will say, oh, we can't know much about heaven. Well, you can't go to one certain book of the Bible, and it's the book on heaven, and it's the 67th book of the Bible. You know, you can't just go to that one book. You have to look from Genesis to Revelation at various passages. Genesis chapters 1 and 2, Isaiah chapter 60, 65 and 66, Revelation 21 and 22, and various other passages of the Bible, and we can paint a picture, a systematic, methodical picture of various things in heaven. And that's what we're going to begin to do today. My theme today is simple. Heaven is real and you were created for it. Heaven is real and you were created for it. Jesus gives us fullness of life now and eternal life later. And oftentimes we only focus on the eternal life Jesus offers, and we forget the fullness of life he offers now through the Holy Spirit within us, through the Word of God, through the body of Christ. Or we don't focus on heaven much at all. Heaven is our ultimate hope. Heaven is our ultimate hope. My application today is hopefully encouraging. Long for heaven. Heaven is paradise. Long for heaven. Heaven is paradise. Thank you, Ken, for sending up this picture. And we'll just leave it up through the sermon today. I, I, I saw this on... Um, Facebook or something a while back, you know, uh, first moments in heaven. And you can see this picture of people embracing each other, people being reunited, first moments in heaven. Now, one thing I want to point out that I love the picture, one thing that cannot be shown as well is we're also going to be totally, completely, fully, tangibly reunited and united with our Savior Jesus when we join God in heaven. We'll be united with family and friends and loved ones, but we're going to be in communion with Jesus, and we don't want to miss out on that. And so, um, heaven is real, and you were created for it. Randy Alcorn writes this. He says, the sense that we will live somewhere, forever somewhere, has shaped every civilization in human history. Every civilization in human history has had this sense that we will live somewhere eternally forever. 
Australian Aborigines pictured heaven as a, as a distant island beyond the western horizon. The early Finns thought it was an island in the faraway east. Mexicans, Peruvians, and Polynesians believed that they went to the sun or the moon after death. Native Americans believed that in the afterlife, their spirits would hunt the spirits of buffalo. The Gilgamesh epic, an ancient Babylonian legend, refers to a resting place of heroes and hints at a tree of life. In the pyramids of Egypt, the embalmed bodies had maps, maps placed beside them as guides to the future world. The Romans believed that the righteous would picnic in the Elysian fields while their horses grazed nearby. Seneca, Seneca, the Roman philosopher said, the day thou fearest as the last is the birthday of eternity. Although these depictions of the afterlife differ, the unifying testimony of the human heart throughout history is belief in life after death. Anthropolog anthropological evidence suggests that every culture has a God-given innate sense of the eternal, that this world is not all there is. I know I just said we would leave this up. Actually, Ken, go ahead and make it black screen so that there's no distraction from the, from the message as we continue. Thank you, Ken. Anthropological evidence, let me just repeat that, suggests that every culture has a God-given innate sense of the eternal, that this world is not all there is. And I want to argue that even people who do not believe in God, even people regardless of religious affiliation, Regardless of religious beliefs or no beliefs, there's a rising emphasis right now on the nuns. That means no religious belief, no religious affiliations, or, or the duns, those that say they're just done with church. There's still that sense that they want heaven, that they're longing for heaven, that they're longing for more. We see it in the things we create as a culture. We see it in Disney World. We see it in shopping malls. We see it in places we go where they think about every single thing. They hire specialists to think, how can we make the atmosphere just perfect? How can we make it just perfect so that people feel comfortable, so that they're, they, they desire this place, they desire this place? We might see it in gardens, the gardens that we create, or the other things, because we're longing for something more. And there's nothing necessarily actually wrong with that. God created us with that. There's nothing necessarily wrong with that. What is wrong is to recognize that's all there is. As an example of this, comedian Dana Carvey contrasts going to the Department of Motor Vehicles versus going to the Apple Store. And just think of it. If anybody's been to the Apple Store, they set it up totally different than going to a place like the Department of Motor Vehicles. I mean, who here really likes going to the Department of Motor Vehicles to go get your license or registration renewed? Who really likes that? It, 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 unless you run into somebody from church. Last year I had to do that, and I ran into Elaine. We had a great conversation. So you made it worthwhile. Otherwise, we don't like that. But most people, maybe I'm wrong, they have a different experience going through the mall, going to the Apple store. In fact, he compares it to a, you might recognize this name, going to the Apple store, it's like going to a Stanley Kubrick film. They, you walk in and they're like, welcome to the Apple store. Do you like all of our beautiful toys? Are you in the market for a 2017 fully loaded MacBook Pro with, wait for it, 
264 gigabytes of storage. It's totally different. We're all longing for something more. We try to fill it with things or cars or nice vacations or many other things. But ultimately, what we are all longing for is heaven. We're all longing for our ultimate communion with God Almighty. The Roman catacombs where the bodies of many martyred Christians were buried contained tombs with inscriptions such as these. Listen to these inscriptions from the Roman catacombs. In Christ, Alexander is not dead, but lives. Another inscription, one who lives with God. Another inscription, he was taken up into his eternal home. One historian writes, pictures on the catacomb walls portray heaven with beautiful landscapes, children playing, and people feasting at banquets. Now, the catacombs, you may or may not know, are where a lot of the early Christians worshipped. They'd worship in these Roman catacombs, and there were paintings on the walls and inscriptions on the walls, and they were longing for heaven. They were longing for heaven. In A.D. 125, that's just under 100 years after Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. In AD 125, a Greek named Aristides wrote to a friend about Christianity. He was explaining why this new religion was so successful. And he said this, quote, If any righteous man among the Christians passes from this world, they rejoice and offer thanks to God, and they escort his body with songs and thanksgiving." as if he were setting out from one place to another. In the third century, the church father Cyprian said, let us greet the day which assigns each of us to his own home, which snatches us from this place and sets us free from the snares of the world and restores us to paradise in the kingdom. Let us greet it. Anyone who has been in foreign lands longs to return to his own native land. We regard paradise as our native land. Paradise, heaven, is ultimately our native land. It's not anywhere, any place on this earth. It is ultimately paradise. Now, we could say it is in the renewed earth, the renewed heaven and earth, which we will get to in a later sermon. Our native land is not here. It's not overseas. It's heaven. C.S. Lewis, I love this quote from C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis wrote, If our deepest desires cannot be satisfied in this world, then we must have been made for another world. He pondered this and other truths which led him to Christ. Our deepest desires, they cannot be satisfied from this world, can they? We might get joy and excitement for a moment with a new iPhone or Samsung phone or computer or car. But it's only temporary. They cannot ultimately be satisfied by this world. And that's because we were created for another world. But today we don't long for heaven, do we? There was a far side comic which shows a guy strumming a harp on a cloud in heaven. And he's saying, wish I'd brought a magazine. In Mark Twain's Adventures of Huckleberry Finn... Twain portrays a similar view of heaven. The Christian spinster, Miss Watson, takes a dim view of Huck's fun, Huckleberry Finn's fun-loving spirit. According to Huck, she went on and told him about 
the good place. She said all a body would have to do there was go around all day with a harp and sing forever and ever. And Huckleberry Finn says, I didn't think much of it. I asked her if she reckoned Tom Sawyer would be there. And, uh, she, and she said, not by a considerable sight. He said, I was glad about that because I wanted him to be where I was, together. The pious Miss Watson had nothing to say about heaven that appealed to Huck. But if we're honest, she probably didn't say anything about heaven that would appeal to you or I either. When it comes to heaven, there's been a lot of bad teaching or lack of teaching. It's not this floating, floating on cloud state. Heaven is real. It's a place. It's a place. Sometimes we think things in heaven are only spiritual. This is not true. If things in heaven are only spiritual, then why does God use so many material objects to illustrate what we'll have in heaven. Think about this. We see material objects illustrating heaven. Material objects in the Bible like house, dwelling, clothed, rooms, see John 14, white robes, see Revelation 6, verses 10 through 11, rivers, gardens, the, and, and get this, a tree of life. In Revelation chapter 2, verse 7, and 22, verse 2, it refers to this same exact tree of life that was Physical in the Garden of Eden in Genesis chapter 2, verse 9. Randy Alcorn coins the term Christoplatonism. Christoplatonism. Plato was the first Western philosopher, and he was the first Western philosopher that started teaching that things of the body and things of the material realm are bad. Everything of the body and the material realm are bad. And so people started teaching that type of idea. And, and later on, Christians started merging in the early church, and actually later Judaism, even before Jesus, they started merging Platonic, the philosopher Plato's Platonic thinking with Christianity, and they robbed Christianity of its joy. So Christians also started thinking things of the material world, things of the body were bad. But that's not what the Bible teaches. According to our scriptures, our bodies aren't just shells for our spirits to inhabit. They're a good and essential aspect of our being. God created our bodies before sin entered the world. God created a material world before sin entered the world. God created a Garden of Eden before sin entered the world. Those things are not bad. Sin has corrupted them, but someday God is going to renew them. Someday God is going to renew them. Heaven is a real place. Jesus reminded his disciples to pray, our Father is in heaven. In the Bible, it will refer to multiple heavens. In the Bible, we see uh, it refer to heaven as the atmosphere. Sometimes it says heavens, and it's referring to the atmosphere. Sometimes it refers to heaven as outer space. And then sometimes it refers to heaven as where God resides. There are many, many, many scriptures on heaven. I just want to look at a few for today. Psalm 2.4. The one enthroned in heaven laughs. That's referring to God being in heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 4 is a very key passage. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 4. Paul talks about an experience he had. And Paul says, I was caught up to paradise. That's heaven, paradise. And heard inexpressible things, things that no one is permitted to tell. And the Apostle Paul continues to go on to talk about heaven and how it was beyond description. 
And get this, later on in Philippians 1, the Apostle Paul wanted to go back. So he had this type of near-death experience, and he wanted to go back. He longed for heaven. He longed for heaven. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 6 and verse 8. Therefore, we are always confident to know that as long as we are at home in the body, we are away from the Lord. We are confident, I say, and we would prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. When God calls us from this life, our last breath on this earth is our first breath in heaven. Being away from the body is being at home with the Lord in heaven. 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 8. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. And there he's talking about, in fact, the previous verse. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. He's talking about achieving the crown of righteousness being taken up to heaven. Heaven is a destination. It will not be boring. It is paradise. And there's many, many other passages that deal with heaven, which we will continue to look at in the coming weeks. But for a moment, for a moment, why does this matter? What is the significance to you right now? Why does this, why talk about heaven? Have you lost loved ones? You'll see them again. You'll see them again if they were and you are in Christ. And there's a key phrase there, in Christ. If you are in Christ, if they were in Christ, you will be reunited with those loved ones the moment you pass from this life to this. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what the Bible teaches from Genesis to Revelation. I was visiting a gentleman when I was at my last church, serving the last church, and the subject of heaven came up, and he said, I don't believe heaven's a real place. It's not, it's not, it's not in the body. The, body, the body's it's just a shell. The body, the body has nothing to do with heaven. Heaven has nothing to do with the body. And I said, that's not what the Bible teaches, though. He said, I know, but I don't believe. It's just your soul that goes to heaven. The Bible teaches, yes, your soul goes to heaven. But the Bible does teach uh, a, a resurrected body, 1 Corinthians 15. The Bible does teach a real tangible heaven and and eventually a new heaven and new earth and the bible even teaches a tangible heaven right away even before the new heaven and new earth that's what the bible teaches and obviously this gentleman was impacted by that christo platonism that platonic philosophy of plato thinking that impacted the early church and even the church today that teaches the material realm is bad the the physical realm is bad the body is bad that is not what the bible teaches there will be a reunion of, of, of the material realm. There will be a resurrected body. There will be a resurrected earth. And it's just going to be amazing. It's going to be amazing. It's going to be beyond our, beyond our scope of even understanding. Are you having trouble walking? Or maybe you even cannot walk. You know, you're going to have a perfect body someday in heaven. That's going to be gone. It's going to be taken care of. Some more applications here. Maybe your eyesight is failing. You will have renewed vision in heaven. You will have renewed vision. Maybe your memory is struggling. You will, and if, if your memory is struggling, you know that you will know more. You will know more, and you will remember again in heaven. See 1 Corinthians 13, 9 through 13 on that. Maybe you're watching a loved one suffer through something. Know that this is not how God intended it. This is because of our sin-filled world. Your loved one will live again without these sufferings someday. Do you have trouble getting up and facing each day? Do you experience pain constantly? This will end, and you'll have a perfect body in heaven. 
Do you experience depression or mental illness? In heaven, this will be gone. You know what? Some of us, we live a fairly healthy life. Maybe even in your older years, you live a fairly healthy life. So maybe some of these things don't, don't really um, connect with you as much. But you have, have you ever had those days, maybe you don't deal with depression or mental illness necessarily, maybe you don't deal with off and on anxiety necessarily, but I'm sure we've all had those days. We're having just a good day, and then all of a sudden we think about something, and it brings stress. We think about something a relative's going through, something else in heaven, that's going to be taken care of. We will have perfect peace with God Almighty. It's going to be beyond our imagination. Next application here. Do you have a loved one that you cannot talk with because of autism or special needs or something else? You will have conversations with that loved one in heaven. You know that there are people that maybe never, ever were able to have conversations with their loved one because of a special need. And they'll have conversations with them in heaven. They'll talk in heaven because they're going to be totally and completely restored. And it's going to be amazing. Have you ever been at a family reunion? And you wanted to see and talk to so many people, but there just wasn't time. There will be in heaven. And you also were to talk to Jesus and Moses and Elijah and all these other people. Do you want to see your parents again? Your grandparents again? You will in heaven. But they won't be. They won't be as you left them if they were suffering through, you know, the time of death. They'll be renewed. They'll be in a perfect place. In Christ alone says, no guilt, no guilt in life, no fear in death. No guilt in life, no fear in death. The Christian has nothing to fear when it comes to death. I was talking to another pastor at one point, and he said he told his doctor, death is a non-factor for me. His doctor was kind of taken back, amazed. Well, you know, how do I talk about your health then? Death is a non-factor. What he meant was our last breath in this life, our first breath in heaven. Our, our, our body dies. Our spirit really never dies because we are united with God in heaven. We go straight to heaven. A few years ago, a family of five died in a car accident. They were young parents, 29 years old with three children. They were soon going to Japan as missionaries. They were soon going to Japan as missionaries, 29 years old, with three children. Going to Japan as missionaries, the youngest being two months old. Their car was hit from behind by a semi, and they died at the scene, all of them. Broke my heart thinking about that. It's easy to think, God, why? Why? But upon further reflection, it's cause for praise. They all went to Jesus together. The whole family went straight to heaven together. The whole family went straight to heaven, straight to be with Jesus together. All of them. They could have experienced 80 years of suffering in this life, but instead, they're in Jesus' presence. They're in heaven together. I love the story from John Erickson Tata. If you don't know of John Erickson Tata, I read her devotional every day and listen to her frequently. She's been a quadriplegic for 55 years now, fighting breast cancer twice. Quadriplegic, paralyzed from the neck down. And I've heard her on numerous occasions say, when she gets to heaven, I'm going to run. She said, when I get to heaven, I'm going to run. But you know what? She didn't say, I'm going to run a marathon, because that'd be crazy. She didn't say... It won't be crazy in heaven. That's the thing. She didn't say, I'm going to run laps and just enjoy running. She said, I'm going to run to the feet of Jesus and kneel at him and worship him. And so the question I have for you right now 
as we begin this sermon series on heaven is, will you be there? There was a book, Five People You'll Meet in Heaven. I haven't read it. I just know of it. But what I know about it is, none of the people are Jesus. None of the people are Jesus. Heaven's going to be amazing. I mean, I didn't even share today that one of the awesomest truths is those that have miscarriages, they'll meet those babies in heaven. It will be amazing. But the greatest thing is we're going to be with Jesus in heaven. And so I want to ask you to reflect. It's a new year. Will you be there? Do you know Jesus? And I emphasize this a lot. I don't mean have you walked forward at a Billy Graham. I, haven't, I don't mean do you say a sinner's prayer. I mean do you have a relationship with him? Because if we don't want to be with Jesus now, will you really want to be with Jesus in heaven? If you don't want to be with Jesus in your life now, why should Jesus take you to heaven? I mean, being with Jesus now in spiritual activities and things like that is a sign that you know him and you want to be with him for all of heaven. So I want to encourage you this second Sunday of the year. Spend time with Jesus. If you, want to, if you look forward to heaven, if you claim to know him, spend time with him. Spend time with Jesus. And, and I want to give, you know, I always give you the four, ver, uh, four verbs, confess, believe, trust, commit. Confess you're a sinner in need of a Savior. That needs to be a perpetual thing as Christians. We are always saying, Holy Spirit, convict me of my sins. I want to repent of them. I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. Believe in Jesus as the one and only Savior. Believe he died on the cross for your sins and rose again. Trust in him and commit to him. Confess, believe, trust, commit. Uh, so if you haven't done that, do that today. Don't count on tomorrow. We all know what happened at the football game Monday night. We all know what happened to the football player, and as far as I understand, he's a strong Christian athlete, but he was moments away from death, and the paramedics, praise God, they were there, they had the defibrillator, they had the stuff needed, and they brought him back. We can never count on tomorrow. Make sure if you have not repented and turned to God, do that today. You're not promised tomorrow, but no matter when you've done that, saturate yourself in, in, in the things of God. Saturate yourself in, in a prayer life. Bless you, whoever that was, by the way. Bless you twice if that was twice. Um, saturate yourself in the things of God, in the word of God. I, I, I have this little description I want to, little illustration I want to use. So this is a bowl with a little bit of water, and here's a sponge. Imagine the sponge is you. Imagine the water is the word of God. And we could also apply it, say it's, it's prayer, it's the church, it's all the things of God. The church is called the bride of Christ. The church is called the bride of Christ. You know, the, word, the Bible is called the word of God, the inspired word of God. The Holy Spirit brightens up, illuminates the word of God to us. There's other things that we should be doing as Christians as well. Meditation, quiet time, fasting, everything. And, and if this water represents those things of God, starting with, say, the Bible, the word of God, and this sponge is you, you want to be so saturated in the things of God, saturated in the bride of Christ, the church, saturated in the Bible, the word of God, saturated in your prayer life, that when you just come up, you're just dripping the things of God. And if you're squeezed by life's trials and things like that, what comes out of you? The word of God, the things of God, the people of God, your prayer life, your fasting, saturate your yourself in the word of God because you know what in the new heaven and new earth you will be filled with everything of God 
you will be completely reunited with God. You'll be in complete communion with God. And I encourage you, this year, spend time with God. Saturate yourself in God's presence. You can do it every day, daily devotions. And I'm here to help, and I would just love to help you. Let me close this time in prayer. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this time to talk about your word, to talk about heaven, to talk about the things of you. And Lord God, I just want to make that plea once again. If anyone here today is not right with you, maybe they've strayed from you. Maybe they've never turned to you. Lord God, may today be the day where they repent and turn to you. May today be the day where they rededicate their life to you. May this year, for all of us, oh Lord God, for all of us, no matter how long we've been Christians, may this year be a year for all of us that we grow in you, that we grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, that we grow in you. And Lord God, may we recognize it's good and it's, I think, acceptable and it's fun and enjoying and there's nothing wrong with and everything good with enjoying the things of this life. There's nothing wrong with enjoying a sport or a food item we just love or a good book or a movie and certainly everything right with enjoying family and friends and, 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 and gardening or other hobbies. That's good. Oh, Lord God, may we all recognize our ultimate longing is heaven. If we are in Christ, our ultimate longing is heaven. We thank you, Lord God, that we always have hope. We always have hope. I ask you to bless and guide and enrich our spiritual life. In Jesus' name, amen. As I always mention,